I'm Dr. Jack West from City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center. Welcome to Lung Cancer Considered, the podcast of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, a global organization dedicated to research and practice advances in thoracic oncology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud and at islc.org under the news heading. I'm happy to be joined today by Dr. Vrishali Shukla, who is a radiation oncologist at the Vincere Cancer Center in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, at ISLC's North America Conference on Lung Cancer in Chicago in October, Dr. Shukla just recently presented a study on chest CT lung cancer screening for first responders. Dr. Shukla, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Perhaps we can start with what led you as a radiation oncologist to pursue work on lung cancer screening. I don't think that's as commonly something that's in the purview of a radiation oncologist's work. You're right about that. So I've always had an interest in low-dose lung CT, specifically because it's a good application to screen for lung cancer, which would lead to early treatment with SBRT. SBRT is a type of precise radiation therapy that can obliterate small radiation or small malignant tumors without surgery. Can you tell us about the key problem or issue that you identified and the current state of the field for first responders and how they might be screened? Yes. Yeah, so after 9-11, approximately 10,000 first responders have been diagnosed with cancer. And so I started to look locally to see what what was happening here in Arizona. And I realized there was still a lot of cancer in young first responders here. There's, even though they wear a self-contained breathing apparatus, they're still exposed, they're, they're still at high risk for cancer. They're almost at 100% risk for mesothelioma because of the asbestos in the old houses that burn. And they're about 20 to 30% increased risk for lung adenocarcinomas. And of course, there is no particular uh, modification of the guidelines for screening uh, in based on occupational exposure or family history, things like that, correct? Correct. So currently, they're getting chest x-rays every five years. And just a week and a half ago, we had a 40-year-old diagnosed with stage 3B lung cancer who they thought had valley fever. And you know, his chest x-ray was normal two years ago. And so it's just unfortunate. What did you uh, do in your particular study? What was your initiative? So what I tried to do is utilize the low-dose lung CT, similar to what was done in smokers. However, I started at an earlier age. So I started at age 40 and I screened just a baseline for firefighters who came in. It was a free screening. I got a grant to subsidize the low-dose lung CT, and then I started to look for nodules. Did uh, you have a repeat imaging component as part of it? Right. So there is lung rads established criteria and how to follow these in smokers, but the cancers that we're seeing in firefighters are known to be more aggressive, and so a lot of them I've been following very closely with repeat low-dose lung CTs. A couple have gone on to have PET scans. Some have had biopsies. And so, but most have had just routine follow-up low-dose lung CTs. I noted that you had screened over 300 patients and ended up scanning a little under 200. 
Uh, what led to the winnowing of the population? Did you filter off patients due to some threshold level of risk or were some potential candidates not inclined to pursue the screening process? That was one of the issues. Some of them just didn't get around to doing their low-dose lung CT. And when I originally started, I started at the age of 55 and above. And so some of the younger guys didn't get included in the initial couple months when I started. And then I changed my age. Uh, So what were the key findings of the studies that you did do? A lot of lung nodules. And so I thought because of the self-contained breathing apparatus, the nodules would be more localized to certain areas of the lungs, but they weren't. They were kind of all over the place. We picked up, you know, a lot of tiny nodules, which I suspect will turn out to be nothing. And then there's, you know, a fair amount of larger nodules that I'm following carefully. We did try to do some biopsies, but it ended up doing lung collapse. One of the incidental findings was an enlarged thymoma in one of the gentlemen, which ended up being um, a large enlarged thymus that ended up being a thymoma. We did pick up one small lung cancer that, you know, if follow the rules, it, it was it looked bad on low dose lung CT. It was active on PET scan, and then he ended up having a lobectomy, and it was in a 48 year old. That's impressive. Um, now you mentioned that there were a lot of lung nodules, and in fact. I noted that the rate of an abnormal result on CT was, I believe, 44%. And that's quite a bit higher than the 27% seen in the National Lung Screening Trial and the 19% indeterminate rate on the Nelson Screening Trial. Obviously, the occupational risk of lung disease of various sorts is higher in first responders. And you're also in an area where coccidioides infection is a high risk, I would imagine, of, of leading to abnormal CT scans. Uh, do you feel that, what do you feel should be the threshold uh, for trials, uh, for screening trials and, and setting some balance between sensitivity and specificity? Were you concerned that this is too high a rate of abnormal and ambiguous findings? Yeah, I would agree with that. There's a lot of abnormal findings, and I agree it's probably likely due to the valley fever in this area. Mm-hmm. And so I think my next steps have been to kind of establish a tumor board, and we've done that with a local thoracic surgeon and an, a pulmonologist and a couple of medical oncologists. And every month we're looking at the more aggressive, so the nodules sort of six to eight millimeters and larger, and kind of going over them, seeing what we think, seeing how frequently we should be watching these because it's kind of new to everybody. And, you know, now recently with that young firefighter who was diagnosed with lung cancer in Phoenix, there's a couple other people at that station who I'm following their lung nodules. And so we're going to go back and look at their nodules again and kind of see if we think any of them need biopsy or not. Mm You would mentioned as a a follow-up of the work you've done that you feel this warrants further investigation on a larger scale, are there plans in the works to make that happen? And and how would you envision this? Would it be looking uh, at a much broader scale at patients uh, or first responders for their risk? Or are there other groups that you think would also potentially benefit from a, a more liberal 
uh, threshold for screening, such as based on family history or different occupations? Yeah. So I think the military is also doing this as well. And so my kind of future goals is now I have the opportunity to screen all of Phoenix firefighters. So that's 2,000 firefighters. We're one of the largest departments in the country. Boston is also doing this. So is San Diego. So a lot of different fire departments are already doing this across the country. We're trying to start a collaborative and then look for certain potential biomarkers. So there's a very famous researcher in at the University of Arizona, Dr. Burgess, and he's been studying different biomarkers as a way to potentially diagnose lung cancer. And so perhaps we can do some collaborative work with him as well. Excellent. Um, also, I wanted to know what you think is the primary endpoint that needs to be met to broaden screening, uh, a screening threshold. Do you feel like it needs to be a survival difference, particularly in these uh, relatively smaller populations? Or do you feel that identifying a certain level of, uh, of, of cancer in itself at this point should be enough to change guidelines? I think a survival will be really, really difficult to show. So I think being able to diagnose a certain percentage of cancer, I don't know what that number is. Perhaps 20, 30% is worth it. And so I have to study that a little bit more. How concerned are you that this very population is going to also be prone to a lot of abnormal results and potentially a lot of biopsies and, and just a real difficulty in finding a sweet spot on sensitivity versus specificity? Yeah, it's going to be difficult because, you know, not just the valley fever, but they, we, I've found a lot of lung inhalation injury as well. And so careful, careful follow-up, careful tumor boards, and I mean, newer things coming out like the artificial intelligence and hopefully, again, the biomarkers are going to be able to help us a little bit more with this. You mentioned that you started with a 55-year-old threshold and moved down. Uh, do you have a sense of where that should be? Uh, because obviously the pretest probability of cancer is going to be a lot higher in someone over 55 than in someone in their 30s or 40s. Right. So I think at least when you're looking at the 9-11 data, the lung cancers came later. The solid malignancies come a little later. And so I was thinking at least 20 years of exposure. So they start with chest x-rays baseline and then every five years. And so I was thinking probably age 40 seems reasonable. If it's normal at age 40, they're probably good for another three to five years before they need another low-dose lung CT. Again, this is all speculation. I have to do more work on this. Well, thank you for the work you've done. And I've read other uh, analyses that suggest that it could be very helpful to have different thresholds for different races that uh, black populations may be more prone to uh, develop a lung cancer with less tobacco exposure and at an earlier age. And so I, I feel like there's still much work to be done on identifying and optimizing uh, which patients should be screened so that we don't miss uh, many who could potentially benefit. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thanks for taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me. I'd also like to thank our listeners. And until next time, this is Dr. Jack West for the IASLC. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
Visit the news section on IASLC.org for more lung cancer considered podcasts. And please like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud and share them with your friends and colleagues. This is Dr. Jack West. Until next time.